right. Wednesday. Discussions of truth on Windwood Radio. Every week, 5 o'clock right here. I am your host, Ian Hamilton Trottier. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram. Both handles. Same. I-A-N-T-R-O-T-T-I-E-R. Ian, why seek and destroy? Because during this hour, our intention fully is to seek out and destroy corruption of any type. And if you haven't paid attention to what's happening globally, especially in the United States, corruption is at an all-time high in your government. Dead Reckoning by Diamond Head. That is the riff that Hatfield is said to have written Seek and Destroy from. By the way, Seek and Destroy was Metallica's first recorded, I believe uh, out of a studio in New York, first recorded song in studio. That's what I understand. And if I'm corrected, then I'm corrected. But that's what I understand. An incredible show lined up for you today. Uh, a couple things that I want to go run by you before we bring on first guest. Going to have a double whammy for you in, um, this hour. Uh, today, we're going to bring on um, Garner Haynes. I believe he's out of L.A. Uh, and he is uh, a script writer, screenwriter, writing a new TV series. Uh, that uh, sounds very incredible. And at the 515 mark, bringing on Richard Lighthouse. That's rlighthouse.com. To talk to you and me and those who are not listening yet. But something called tracking. How the U.S. Air Force tracks you. How do they track you? Did you realize you're being tracked? Hey, you realize that Google has their algorithms and they attempt to sell your information. Well, they don't attempt, they do. They sell information to advertisers and whatnot to try to get you to buy more products, a la Amazon. But you're also being tracked. According to the research conducted by Richard Lighthouse, who has a, a master's degree from Stanford University, engineering degree, he will present to us, he's authored close to 100 books, is my understanding. And he's currently an executive based out of Texas in the oil, or excuse me, energy industry. It might be oil-based. I'm not sure. We'll get that information from him shortly. Uh, are we a go? We are a go. Okay, good. So, two points that I want to run by you before we bring on Garner. First, the Bree Payton story. Are you familiar with it? On January 2nd, 2019, Washington, D.C. lobbyist Jack Berkman tweeted that something was strange about the passing of Bree Payton, a young journalist for The Federalist, who fell ill and died suddenly December 2018. She supposedly died from meningitis and the N1H1 flu. Okay, kind of struck her, 26-year-old, weak immune system, right? Right. And boom, felt she, she was dead. She was gone. Uh, he tweeted, the sudden death of my friend, 26-year-old Bree Payton, is beyond strange. She dies just after breaking the story of the Department of Justice wiping the Paige Strozik emails. Profiling project may open a major investigation a la Mueller. Which brings to mind another strange death, Mila de Mur. And if this is your first time of hearing about her, and it's not, I'm not, no surprise to me because I didn't get any, any major coverage. Mila de Mur, someone who I knew personally, was a QS-based activist. Genetically modified mosquitoes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. GMO mosquitoes in Florida. Oh, yes a la Zika virus. 
She collected 2,000 signatures, 6,000 signatures, whatever it was, and delivered them to the EPA. Tried to get some laws suited. And she, upon her trip, during her trip to D.C. to meet with the EPA, the morning of, she was found floating dead in a pool. Coincidence? I don't know. Jack, could there be coincidence? Oh, most definitely there could be, I tell you. Okay, so this is what we talk about on Winwood Radio. Paul Hellyer, former deputy prime minister. Yes, that's correct. Deputy prime minister for the country of Canada. He's confirmed to join the program March 13th, and we bring him on. We will be bringing him on to this program with open arms, and he talks about things just of that nature. Like I said, corruption is at an all-time high. Yeah. Richard Lighthouse, quickly before we bring Garner on, I want to go over this with you. And, and in the past couple shows, I have skimmed this with you, and we're going to get into this, hopefully, with Richard when he joins us. But let me mention Fraud on the London Stock Exchange. Okay, that's the title. That's a follow-up book that he wrote. Regarding the Lloyd's banking cartel. Three examples of blatant fraud on the London Stock Exchange are provided in this short document. The stocks are Toyota Motor Company, Mitsubishi Electric Corporation, and ANA Holdings. The common elements that indicate fraud are one, market capitalization is exceeding one trillion USD. Two, price to earnings ratio, PE of eight hundred or greater. And three, each stock is about 100 times larger than its industry competitors on the exchange. Four, large variations in the quoted market capitalization and number of shares outstanding use credible sources such as Barron's, Yahoo Finance, Wall Street Journal. And by the way, drawing numbers from Yahoo Finance, Richard says that Lloyd's Bank is the largest, over 100 times larger than its nearest competitor. It's the largest bank in the world. And that would be J.P. Morgan, largest competitor. Wall Street Journal, Google Finance, etc. The market capitalization P ratio of these companies goes well beyond the comparable financials for the industry competitors. It seems to be far out of proportion to their known business activities and scale of operations. Could it be that government corruption is driven by the almighty dollar and the greed for the human taste to monopolize it? Oh, you're done, you're darn right. Yeah, 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 you're darn right. Yeah, money money is very destructive, isn't it? For example, N A N A A. N A N A, excuse me. For example, A N A Holdings, all Nippon Airways, has only a few hundred aircraft as part of their operations, and yet their market capitalization is 101 trillion USD, more than 100 times greater than Delta, American, United, or Southwest Airlines. I'm going to stop there, because right there, if that doesn't blow your freaking mind, excuse my language, I do keep it clean, it's a family show, it doesn't blow your mind or gain at least your interest to Google Richard Lighthouse and see what he's up to, then you need to be woke. I laugh at my own uh, pun, and, uh, but it's not its not pun, folks. It's not pun. All right. That's enough. We'll be joined shortly by Richard. We're going to open now with Garner, and we're going to close out with Little Metallica, and then I'm going to bring Garner right back on. Thanks for tuning in to Discussions of Truth. This is your weekly show. I am your host, Ian Hamilton Strachier, Wednesdays, 5 o'clock, right here, Windwood Radio. And, yes, you may catch the show on podcast, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play. The list goes on. Go to anchor.fm. They're all laid out right there for you. Thanks for listening. I'll be right back after a short break.
We're joined by Garner. Garner, are you on the line? Can you hear me? Yes, I can, Ian. Thank you for having me on your show. Uh, you're very welcome, uh, Mr. Haynes. Uh, can you uh, give uh, give the audience? You are a screenwriter, and caught my caught my attention about how you're what you're writing. You're writing a a TV program. Uh, are you are you based in California or New York? Well, uh, no, actually, I'm based in Canada. Um, I live in Stratford, Ontario, and the nearest major film center is, of course, Toronto. From me. Fantastic. Okay, so I, that's a two strikes against me. Uh, Canada is a wonderful country. I admire it greatly. I, I, I'm not even going to attempt to ask uh, ask about the weather. Uh, I, I am sure it's, uh, you've got some snow outside. It's yeah. Uh, okay, okay, fine. All right, so um, good. All right, so uh, Garner, let's jump into the concept that, uh, that you've got here for your TV program. All right, the time is right is a reality show where contestants go back in time and try and save their loved ones. The show tracks and televises their efforts and brings them back, win or lose. You can go to any point in time, anywhere on Earth. The audience votes on which contestant they think deserves to win, and that contestant goes on to the bonus round. The loser watches as their timeline reverts back to the way it was and their loved ones die all over again. At the end of the season, each week's winning contestants go back in time again, this time on the same mission, competing directly with each other to achieve a predetermined goal. Now, the winner and their family get the grand prize, a relocation and new identity in the past when the Earth wasn't in ruins. The Time is Right is a science fiction drama show about a reality television show called The Time is Right. The people who make it and those who participate in it. Okay, and this is, this is you're looking at real actors, it's not animation. Oh yeah, it's real actors. We've got a we've got a whole cast lined up. We've got uh, uh, Ellen Dubin, who you may know from the the series Lex, uh, the movie Napoleon Dynamite. Uh, we got uh, Sebastian Spence, who was on First Wave, and you, but you may have also seen him on Battlestar Galactica, and Cass Anvar, who is uh, currently uh, on The Expanse, uh, but he's also been on um, uh, Once Upon a Time, and and he's done tons of stuff all of whom you may have also heard on various video games, as they are, they're all very uh, experienced voice actors as well. Uh, but yeah, this is intended to be a live-action show, uh, be shot here in Canada, um, and hopefully distributed worldwide sometime when we find somebody who wants to do that. And, and great, so how you've got the first, um, uh, what is it that you've got written so far? I have written a pilot script and uh, a, a series Bible, which is the guide to, you know, how the whole thing will unfold over the years. Uh, and uh, we are in the process of shooting uh, or raising funds to shoot a short film, a sort of mini pilot to show what the show would be like and to help sell to potential studios, networks or uh, streaming services. Excellent. And, and, and who's, uh, who's looking your way right now? Who's contributing? Uh, contributing? Yeah, to, to uh, getting that pilot shot. Who's expressed interest? Uh, oh, well, uh, we don't have any uh, interest, uh, interested parties uh, as of yet. Um, we have a great uh, crew and, and, some, and the actors who have signed on. Uh, okay. Jeffrey yeah. Hirschfield, who was one of the producers of Lex, is interested in, in doing the show. Um, but we don't, we don't have, uh, financial support yet. Uh, I'm self-financing mm -hmm. this short film and, um, then we'll see what happens. Um, Rebecca Heron is my, uh, uh, collaborator. She's the, uh, producing this, um, uh, and, uh, she's going to help me <laughs> pitch to all the networks. Excellent. Uh, now, now tell us what inspired you to, 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 to go down this, I mean, this sounds like a Hunger Games type uh, theme. What inspired was, was it? Was it that that inspired you to write this, or, or what? What? What was it that inspired you to, to, to write this? Well, it actually started a few years ago, uh, back in two thousand, actually two thousand one, actually. Some friends, mutual friends of ours, Maurice and Jose, um, uh, through uh, they were staying at a uh, friend Bud and Travis's apartment. Uh, Maurice and Jose moved out. Um, and later we heard that Jose had been killed uh, while uh, on the way home from shopping from a Super Bowl uh, Sunday party they were planning on having that afternoon. She was just making a left turn and then was broadsided and killed. Uh, and uh, it turns out she was also pregnant. They were married. They were trying to have a, a kid. Um, 
and one moment Jose was alive, the next year wasn't, and that was that. Someone we knew, a peer younger than us even, had died yeah. just because she was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And I wondered maybe if she had gotten through checkout a few minutes sooner or later, it would have all been different. It haunted me for years, really. Yeah. And I've been thinking for a while about reality television, the links people would do to go be, uh, to do uh, to become famous, and. Um, uh, I thought television was becoming or is already a place where people suffering and grief, even their deaths, were put forward as entertainment. Uh, and I'd also been thinking about uh, recent f uh, feedback at the time that my protagonists were too nice. And I thought, oh, yeah, watch this. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I wrote the outline. It only took me uh, it uh, took me. 20 hours altogether over a weekend to write the first draft of the pilot and uh and you know i've revised it a few times since then uh i've entered it into some some uh, script contests and it's gotten some notice um and we launched a crowdfunding campaign back in 2015 to try and raise money for the short film uh but uh we didn't make our goal and most of the contributors were our family or friends obviously we hadn't got our signal out enough and there was uh as there was a federal election going on in canada at the time it meant the signal to noise ratio on social media was huge um so i've continued to try and find a home for the time is right in the intervening years uh without unfortunately any success a couple of interested producers came and went uh, without any money changing hands, but uh, my script remained just a script. Uh, but my cast and I remain hopeful that we'll someday, someday find somebody who wants to make it. Excellent. That sounds absolutely wonderful. Gardner, uh, do you have a website uh, or any point of contact you'd like to share with listeners? Uh, well, the uh, the time is right. We have an Instagram account. Uh, we have, um, which is the time is right TV all one word. Um, and, uh, yeah, just, uh, that's, that's currently the one I'm, I'm using to get the, the, the word out. Uh, we have, uh, you know, trailers online and stuff and you can actually just contact me through Twitter or anything like that I'm Garner Haynes, uh, and just, uh, well, I actually, I should probably spell it cause it's not that obvious. Sure. Uh, G A R N E R H A I N E S. Um, and just find me on Twitter, and I'll tell you all about it. Excellent. Garner, thanks for joining Discussions of Truth and Win Win Radio. You're welcome. Ladies and gentlemen, Garner Haynes. Uh, sounds like he's got some uh, very, very cool um, story that, that he's got, and he's got some great, great support there, some great acting support. So um, it is, uh, Garner, it is our honor uh, to bring you Onto the program, I will be right back with Richard Lighthouse. And of course, we're going to seg out with a little Metallica.
AWOM Lab. AWOM Lab is a creative space that offers membership for women entrepreneurs. The membership includes access to a cafe, high-speed Wi-Fi, a small retail store, and a full-service photography and podcast studio. The lab fosters women's empowerment and is designed to inspire, motivate, and connect women in South Florida. AWOM Lab also has an in-house creative agency that develops content for female-owned brands. Most importantly, the vibe and energy is that of collaboration and hustle. So if you're an entrepreneur looking to kickstart your business and need a place to work from or event space, make sure to follow AWOM Lab on Instagram. That's A-W-O-M-L-A-B. GGB is a proud member and we can't wait to see you at the lab. See you there. Girls Gone Boss is the driven women's guide to love, life, and business. Hosted by the boss ladies Alex and Gabby. Combined, their network gathers an array of women from various industries who exemplify strength and tenacity. Their fun and positive approach to life will awaken the boss in you. You're listening to Girls Gone Boss. And now for part two, Tasha Do just as I say. Censorship is a very real thing here in the United States. Uh, and so is something called tracking. We have with us on Winwood Radio to Sketch Your Truth, Richard Lighthouse. Richard, thanks for joining the program. If you would please introduce yourself to the audience. Uh, sure, uh, Ian. Uh, my name is Richard Lighthouse. Um, I am an engineer uh, by education. Um, I have a bachelor's degree in aerospace engineering from Texas A&M and a master's degree in mechanical engineering from Stanford. Um, and I have previously worked for uh, NASA and a NASA contractor. Uh, strong, so a strong background in uh, aerospace engineering and design. Now, uh, what division in NASA did you work for, Richard? Where'd you, was it there? I, I worked, yeah. yes, I, I worked uh, at the Johnson Space Center uh, for a little while, and uh, I also worked for a NASA contractor that was the prime ca contractor to build the space shuttle. Uh, this was a uh, subdivision or a division of the company that built the space shuttle main engine, so I'm quite familiar with uh, rocket engine design and theory. And, and so you're not very good at mathematics at all, are you? Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm a little accomplished in math. It's, it's one of my specialties. And you, but you've written quite a few books and, uh, the subjects, uh, I, I want to go into how the U S air force is tracking, uh, citizens. And then I also want to go into a little gang stalking, but I'd like to kind of wrap it up here with uh, your research on Lloyd's bank. Um, so we can kind of put that one aside and then get into that one. Uh, for for me, uh, you know, I I didn't really question anything that was going on in the government, and and now we've got the deep state. That's just kind of a term that's that's thrown around left and right now in 2019 with Trump in office. But uh, in, in Miami, it was something called Zika that kind of caught my caught my eye, and and the fact that I lined two uh, two 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 foundations. Uh, involved in, in both both the virus and the insecticide. So that would be the Zika virus, the patent on the Zika virus being owned by the Rockefeller Foundation, and also the Rockefeller Foundation being the majority o uh, uh, owners of Chevron Chemical Corporation that produced the pesticide Nailit that was used here locally uh, in, in Miami-Dade to combat the Zika virus. So that kind of caught my eye, and then I was led down a road and, 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 and found, an found another uh, fellow uh, Stanford uh, this this fellow was a Stanford Hoover uh, a fellow a, a, a fellow at Stanford Hoover the Hoover Institute. Uh, his name is Anthony Sutton. So 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 there he goes into into kind of banking and of course uh, banking is a very corrupt institution from everything that I've found. Not to take too much of your time uh, or, or rather time away from you, Richard, because I, I want I want you to get into what you've what you've uh, uh, accomplished in, in in a quick period of time. Um, what was it that got you? Um, looking into an alternative angle, angle and narrative to what mainstream is fed, if that makes sense. Well, um, I, I think, um, and you're, you're referring to the tracking. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's um, it, it actually has a long history, 
and the program has been top secret for, I, I would estimate, more than 30 years. Um, I, I have a timeline on my website at rlighthouse.com that explains in more detail so people can understand the sequence of events that led us to, to where we are today. Basically, right now, the, the, the Air Force Space Command has invested billions of dollars, not millions, billions of dollars into building very sophisticated satellites that can track large numbers of people on the ground, even without their knowledge. Um, the most recent launch is called uh, the Navstar GPS Block 3 satellite. And, and this is a monster. In, in my opinion, it is a weapon of mass destruction. Wow. It is capable of tracking with microwave bullets to the top of everyone's head. This is not a joke. I encourage people to check it out. Um, microwave bullets? What is that? They are, uh, this is the type of, um, I guess you could call it a projectile. Uh, it's typically about a half of an inch in diameter and is project it is shot like a beam, almost like a microwave bullet. They can adjust the diameter of the beam to, to a very small point, which when it hits your skin, it feels like a cigarette, a lit cigarette's been stuck into your skin. It's My very God. sharp, bright pain. And the beam can also be adjusted over a wide area so that it makes your skin, your whole body, feel like it's vibrating. Um, so uh, it's the, these are very dangerous weapons. They were quite deliberately developed by the Air Force and a number of contractors. And such Richard as Lockheed, Raytheon, uh, Honeywell, they are all involved. These are uh, these are coming from a satellite. You're saying these are coming from a satellite, and they're called the Navstar GPS satellites. They're operated by the Second Squadron, the 50th Space Wing, out of Colorado Springs in the Air Force Space Command. This is a deep underground military base. Uh, that was f first constructed or first started being built back in the 1980s. Um, I, I have a number of links that are quite interesting and a number of technical details on, on my website at rlighthouse.com. When you were working so, for NASA, were you privy to this type of operation going on? Absolutely not. Uh, we, we were we, NASA folks, in my opinion, are completely unaware that this type of technology is being used, particularly not on them. <laughs> Yeah, um, it, it yeah. is apparent that it's being used on everyone. The the most recent launch of this Block Three satellite is, uh, based on my calculations, able to track 800 million people every second. That's 800 million. That's that more than double the population number. of the U.S. Yes, everyone in North America basically can be tracked from a single satellite. It's uh, it's got eight antennas on it that are used for tracking. Uh, each each satellite, each antenna can track about a hundred million, or or project a uh, hundred million, uh, more than that actually, more than a hundred million uh, microwave pulses per second. So, um, and how did you phenomenal you, engineering feat? And unfortunately, yeah. it's being used in the most in most horrific fashion. Yeah, let's get into that. But but how how did you discover this, Richard? Um. Because I'm a tar what's called a targeted individual, Ian. Um, this is part of an illegal program that's run by the CIA and the U.S. Air Force Space Command and a number, uh, a number of government agencies. It is all very classified, highly top secret, and siloed. It's, it's called an, uh, a USAP, an Unacknowledged Special Access Program. So the information uh -huh. you just revealed to listeners is considered currently still top secret? Um, uh, or is it now public? It, it, it is not public. And uh, I was basically able to reverse engineer what they were doing to figure it out for myself. And it took considerable amount of time. So um, uh, the, the system basically hits the top. If you go to my website, rlighthouse.com, it will project a microwave pulse on the top back part of your head. And if you cup your hand and press it firmly to the top back part of your head, uh, most people can feel the pulses. You, you got to hold it there for about 30 seconds, and your hand will start. You'll start to tingle, and and the and as the microwaves heat up the joints in your hand, they'll start to pop. You'll feel uh, pops uh, as from from the microwave pulses and the heating in your joints. Uh, if you can't feel it that way, try your entire forearm over the top back of your head, and sometimes you uh, you can feel it that way. But I've done this test on dozens of people in, in different cities here in the United States, and I always get the same result. And even when somebody says they can't feel it, I can put my hand on top of their head and say, yeah, I feel it. <laughs> 
So Richard, so I know that it, yeah. total strangers, uh, other targeted individuals, people that are high profile, say politicians, senators, congressmen, everyone is being tracked. And these microwave pulses cause brain damage. That's the most serious issue. Richard, how long have you been tracked? Well, as far as I can tell that, now, right, everyone right, right. everyone in the United States has been tracked for many years. I, I would say more than 10 years, uh, basically everyone has been tracked. And, and more recently, the technology has gotten more precise and more accurate um, I have a, a, an ebook that is free for those that want to read it. It's called Satellites and Weapons of the Air Force Space Command. In it, I describe the technology, the satellites that are used, the squadrons that are involved, and the, many of the high-level officers that are also involved in the program. I've identified them by name. My goodness, Richard. Um, so let's get into the purpose. Why is the U.S. Air Force tracking... Uh, its own people. Uh, that, that that's a good point, and they are tracking they are tracking everyone, including their own people who may not know about it. It's it's unclear to me how siloed this information is within the Air Force itself. It's quite possible that the Air Force officers and the senior airmen that operate the the satellites. It's not clear to me how much they know. Do they know about the whole system? Or do they only know about the specific right. satellite that they operate? Sure, so, exactly. So it could be even more siloed than, than I'm aware. But um, I do have a diagram, a one-page diagram that's available on my website um, that explains it in six steps. Um, the, it, the frequency that is used for tracking ranges between 3600 and 3750 megahertz. Uh, I've measured that many times with a signal analyzer. Um, the precise GPS coordinates that are obtained from the top of your head are accurate to less than one centimeter anywhere in the world. My goodness. It wow. can track your head. And the reason they track your head like that is so that they can use cell towers to send projected subliminal messages at your head 24 hours a day. And this has been going on for some time. Okay. Let me emphasize. Yeah. This includes senators and congressmen, the president of the United States, the National Security Council. All of these people are being tracked, and they are using cell towers and other satellites to hit them with subliminal messages 24 hours a day. I know this is an extraordinary claim. I encourage others to research it. I encourage people that have signal analyzers to check out the frequencies. And for those that uh, understand a little bit about aerospace technology, there's a website called inthesky.org with hyphens between it. And I've got that reference on the diagram that I referenced, that, that I early mentioned. And it pulls up a circular chart where you are sitting at the middle of that chart. And if you're standing north and hold this chart above your head while you're in the center of that circle, to your south, the closest satellite that shows up that's called a G, it's given a GPS number, will be the satellite that's tracking the top of your head. And I've done this many times in different locations. It's always the same. This is the way the technology works. Anyone can pull up this uh, satellite tracking map. It's called inthesky.org and go to the satellite section and it, um, it will immediately pull up a circular chart with satellites showing their, a location above your head with a number on it. So it'll say like GPS 06 or GPS 21. And these are very slow moving satellites that are at what's called a mid-earth orbit. And their orbital period is about 12 hours. And these are the satellites that are tracking everyone. There's always at least four of them over whatever country you're in. So you, no matter where you travel anywhere in the world, there will be several of these satellites that are above you tracking you. Well, I, I think I think maybe all Americans are being tracked except for Harry Reid. Uh, Richard, what is the what is the purpose? Why is the why is the U.S. Air Force tracking American citizens? Uh, average every day. I mean, they're tracking everybody according to uh, your research. Why are they doing that? To alter and control human behavior. It is, it is part of the globalist plan to control the entire human population. Right now, they're focused on the United States. They, they do have the system operating at some level in Europe and Asia. It's, it's not clear to me whether it's everyone or if it's still being scaled up. But 
as far as the United States is concerned, the, the, the launch of this Block 3 satellite in December uh, gives them the capability to track vast quantities of people from a single satellite. And uh, that's disturbing on many levels. And, and I did mention this is a weapon of mass destruction. It does cause brain damage. There have been a number of medical journal articles that have been published about the effects of microwaves on the body and the brain. It's quite clear that it causes calcium depletion. It causes loss of short-term memory. It causes difficulty in concentrating. Um, more powerful levels will cause um, Alzheimer's, symptoms of Alzheimer to set in within days. That's how powerful within it is. Within days, wow. Uh, you, you have those articles on your website for reference? Um, I, I have them referenced uh, in... Uh, on the website at, at rlighthouse.com and also at the medical journal articles that are referenced at targetedjustice.com. Uh, Richard, let's take, for instance, uh, the Las Vegas shooting or, or even Florida here, uh, Parkland. Uh, if, the, if, if there is ability to send subliminal messages to individuals, anybody, uh, is it possible because there's obviously these alternative views on like Sandy Hook saying these are staged events uh, is this is this one of the apparatuses that could be used to perform such a act of theater if they were in such? That's a, that's a good question, Ian. There's a long history on this illegal CIA program. The CIA runs it under the black budget. It's technically called the National Intelligence Program. It's a, a, a more than a hundred billion dollar a year program. And uh, it traces its history back to what's called MK Ultra, and I encourage people to look that up. There's many internet references, many books that have been written on the subject. The CIA has been trying to mind control people for many, many years. For those that are familiar with Dr. Ewan Cameron, a Canadian uh, psychiatrist that did some horrific experiments uh, on Canadian citizens, all without their consent, uh, did, did massive brain damage on them. Uh, truly unfortunate uh, circumstance. The CIA paid millions of dollars to settle that case, and that was a long time ago. They didn't stop the research. It's still ongoing. Senator Frank Church held the church, the famous church hearings in the 1970s to try to shut the CIA program down. The CIA admitted what they were doing, but they did not shut it down. They changed the name and moved on. So what we see are many side programs that are developed out of it. One of them is called the Monarch Program, which involves a manipulation and control of women, usually attractive young women, uh, where they are exploited uh, or sex trafficked. And, and that is far more common than anyone has led on. You cannot believe the number of women that are being mind-controlled and manipulated right now in the United States. It, it, it is staggering if you could count it. And Canada? Um, and, and Canada. It's it's happening globally. This is a global phenomenon. Richard, you're a bright guy. You, 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 you got a master's degree from Stanford. You worked with NASA. What was it that crossed that threshold for you? When, when did you begin to question the motives of goings-on, going-ons in your government? Uh, that's, that's a fair question, Ian. Um, we, we do have pending litigation, and so I don't want to get into too much detail, but I will say that I had been working on a number of experiments, technical experiments, that it was quite clear that our government became very interested in. Um, they involve some of the, the mathematical ideas that I have presented that are quite compelling. Is this at NASA? Um, this is, it's available on my website. I've, I've published a number of papers um, that I can consider to be uh, breakthrough uh, mathematical papers. And for those that are so inclined and can understand the math and the calculus, I, I encourage you to uh, look into those. I've received a number of very positive comments from professors all over the world on, on those technical papers that I publish. But it was because of that initially that I think um, the government became involved uh, it was quite clear that there were government agents uh, following me and tracking me. At one point, they were breaking into my house on an almost daily basis. And I've posted some of that information uh, on, in some technical papers that I've done. Um, so uh, basically, they hacked my computer, my phone, my garage uh, opener, uh, my alarm system. It, it, it was truly extraordinary the steps that they were willing to take illegally 
um, to try to get at my information and try to understand what I was doing. All of all of it just grossly illegal. So that was that was my first uh, exposure to it. And so I I uh, I didn't just sit there. I decided to take steps, and I was able to identify a number of the people that were involved. And uh, I reported it, and I became a government whistleblower. I reported it to senators and congressmen, the some of the people that are involved and where they lived. And uh, anyway, so that was the background. I, I certainly did not want to become involved in this. Sure. Uh, um, but it's where it's at now. Uh, it's, it's allowed me during my research time to look into this, and I hope I've provided enough exposure and transparency on these illegal CIA programs that hopefully they can be shut down. There are a number of government agencies involved, including Department of Homeland Security, uh, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, the FBI and the Department of Justice, they are all involved. And I've identified which groups within those uh, government organizations are involved. And I've identified names to, to key, key people within those organizations that are involved. I encourage people to look that up on my website. I've, I've demonstrated where I found that information. I've provided references for it. Um, so I'm, I'm quite confident that it's correct. Richard, um, you... Who, who, who do you think is this a is this an American driven uh, uh, motive or, or or is it possibly deeper than that? Uh, what's your thought? Uh, in, in, in my opinion, the, the the CIA and the Council on Foreign Relations are primarily behind the program. There, there may be other high level organizations involved but uh, fundamentally it, it, it when you run it to the root cause you find the CIA and the Council on Foreign Relations the Council of Foreign Relations is a controversial uh, organization of course Dick Cheney uh, head of the Council of Foreign Relations and he is is heard publicly uh, withholding uh, his association to that organization to his people of Wyoming and uh, and that came to light in, in, in a recent movie that was co-produced by, by by Brad Pitt. So Cheney is a controversial kind of his association to Halle Barton and the a, a, the gross profits that uh, that that presumably uh, uh, he he and those associated to him with Halle Barton received by going into uh, going into Iraq. Um, uh, were received, but again, the Council for Relations. So this kind of gets into this whole concept of deep state. What is American? Uh, and and I've brought I've brought guests on the program uh, that have spent decades in the CIA, and you know they say, hey, look, you know the, the, this country, Ian, this country was not founded. The founding fathers had no intention, no intention of creating a uh, a global kind of empire that we seem to be in uh, here today. That was never the intention. Uh, uh, yet this is what has been created, and it seems that there is just kind of this rampant corruption that's flowing through the veins of, uh, of, of, of justice and freedom for all. Um, is there, are there international players involved in, uh, in the Council for Relations, in, in your opinion? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. The, the the membership list is is for the Council on Foreign Relations is publicly available. If you go to their website, cfr.org, uh, there is in one of those sections a list of current membership. It's I would estimate in the five to six thousand range. Um, the, there are key names in there. Uh, Dick Cheney is certainly one of them. Uh, a good number of the Rockefeller family are listed in there. The Rockefellers are one of the founding, probably the founding members of the Council on Foreign Relations. Right. There's an equivalent organization in Europe that most Americans are not familiar with. But uh, uh, here in the United States, David Rockefeller was the CEO and chairman for many years. And, of course, many people may know that he passed away here about a year ago. So, right. Right. And in um, fact, the, the, the Rockefeller Foundation donated the land that the United Nations stands on. Correct. That is correct. And have had a strong influence on the, the operations and processes that were set up for the U.N., uh, many of those not favorable to, to the interest of the United States. Right. So. Uh, right. That's, yeah. I mean, that's kind of the, the, the angle that I think listeners and Americans need to be approaching this from is that, look, the Rockefeller, uh, the Rockefeller uh, 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 family, uh, look, they, they were they built a global empire, Standard Oil, that got broken up 
um, into what five what was it five or six uh, uh, oil companies. But you know they they had antitrust lawsuits taken against them. They they held a monopoly. So any type of Anytime, anytime you're dealing with the power of that level, you need to question motive, right? Because, because my my guess is that anytime anybody consumes that type of power, they don't want to release that power, and that's we see that uh, come to fruition recently. In, in you know, like during Obama, the people that didn't like Obama thought that he might not step down and he might continue uh, taking control of the White House, and then you got the same people that that don't don't accept Trump, saying, oh, you know, what will Trump do? Will he will he back down? Will he will he will he leave office? So there's that type of power dictator type threat that now we're, we're faced in this country and I think that we as Americans it, more time no no more time than now we need to stand up and have our voices heard and and, and make a stance um, to 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 try to protect what might be left uh, of, of 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 the US Constitution but let's get back let's get now into your research on Lloyd's, Lloyd's banking because Lloyd's banking of London is and from 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 what you've discovered, is the largest banking organization on the planet. That that's correct, Ian. Uh, what I was able to, I actually stumbled upon this information trying to understand what was going on, and I think that the information was still available. This was back um, October, November, December of 2016, and uh, I stumbled on it and immediately recognized it for what it was because of the common nature. Uh, of these individual stock companies. So what I found was, first of all, Lloyd's Banking Group in London had a market capitalization of $2.4 quadrillion that was listed, and this is wow. a staggering sum of money. If, if, if you want to, here's a comparison for uh, I can't even comprehend that. The New York Stock Exchange, if you add up the value of every stock on the New York Stock Exchange, Apple, Google, IBM, Coca-Cola, um, all the defense contractors, Boeing, you know, all the big companies, the total market capitalization is around $25 trillion. There is one company on the London Stock Exchange that has a market cap of $2.4 quadrillion. That is almost 100 times the value of the entire New York Stock Exchange, and it is in one company. Is how, that staggering? How does this go unnoticed or untalked about? I mean, you turn on CNN, you turn on Fox, you turn on MS. This doesn't get talked about. Is this accurate, Richard? Yes, yes. I, I will tell you. Uh, now, all of this has been removed from Yahoo. I found it on the Yahoo Finance section back at the end of 2016. But I think most people just dismissed it all, but that, that can't be correct, and they just move on. You have to sort the, the, the industry stocks the way they were listed. I've published two, uh, e uh, actually four ebooks, but now there are two that are available. Both, one of them is called Rockefeller and Rothschild, Dirty Money on the London Stock Exchange. And the other one is called Rockefeller and Rothschild, Global Stock Data, November 2016, Massive Fraud. So you can find those on my website. Uh, they are also available on Smashwords and uh, uh, possibly a few other sites as well, like Barnes and Noble. But um, anyway, the, the details, what you find is this one bank, Lloyd's Banking Group, has broken down their assets into several individual um, ticker symbols. Right. And they're generally called LLD2, LLD3, LLD4. There's at least eight of them. And it appears they planted about eight hundred trillion dollars in each one of or I should eight hundred uh, billion dollars in each one of these funds and 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 split it up and they started moving around. Once I published the first book, it became obvious to me they were trying to hide the listings, and then they started moving money from the accounts. The accounts I would check it each day, really, and and the number you know billions of dollars were moving on every day. So I knew I had to try to get something published quickly because the numbers were changing like huge amounts. So you're saying but, that Lloyd's caught on to you dis your discovery. They knew what you were doing. Somebody somebody that manages those funds, in my opinion, the the, the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds own and control the the. Uh, the executives at the London Stock Exchange. This is how they're able to keep it hidden. The two main stock exchanges where all this fraud is occurring is the London Stock Exchange and the Mexico City Stock Exchange. Mexico City. Massive, massive fraud. This is fraud on a scale a thousand times bigger than the Enron scandal. This is, a, this is unheard of in history. 
the, the amount of fraud that is current is massive. I encourage others. Here's how Yahoo did it. They're, they're not dumb. Uh, Verizon, came, after I published this, in 2017, Verizon went in and just uh, very quietly bought out Yahoo operations and then started zeroing out all the data within days after they bought it. I knew it was a cover-up. It was so obvious. Um, so they, they used an intermediary to go in and buy out just Yahoo operations for $4.8 billion, where hundreds of employees are employed on a daily basis sure. to analyze these uh, ticker symbols and make sure that the listings are correct. There, this wasn't just handled by one or two guys or automated on a computer. There were hundreds of employees that worked on this every day. And it's a simple formula. The price of the stock times the number of outstanding shares equals the market cap. But you got to do that for every stock exchange. And when you go out, if you go to the New York Stock Exchange, they're only going to show you the totals for their stock exchange. What Yahoo is doing is going and totaling up all around the world for all the stock really? exchanges. Well, you was, was unusual, and that was different. What year was this, Richard? This was uh, I collected this data uh, in October, November, and December of 2016, and I published wow. these papers in 2017 because I, I waited a few months, did some more research to make sure that there, there couldn't be just an absolute error. But it was inconceivable to me that a, a multi-billion-dollar corporation like Yahoo Finance uh, could completely make gross errors on something as simple as the number of shares times the stock price equals the market cap. I mean, that's hard to screw that up, and yeah. it was clearly happening on a daily basis for months. And and what, do you, what do you have? Screenshots? Yahoo, do you have screenshots of what you saw? I'm sorry. Say that again. Did you take screenshots of what you saw? I did. If you download, I, I've got multiple screenshots uh, taken over uh, a number of days, both in October and November, um, screenshots of different industries. And, and to back it up, to make it, to confirm that there's something clearly fraudulent going on, there are a number of other companies where it's clear that, in my opinion, the Rockefellers are hiding the bulk of their wealth in shell companies. On the London Stock Exchange, the toy, the, I'll, I'll give you five company names. These are all Japanese companies where the Rockefellers have a huge vested interest. Um, Toyota Motor Corporation, Mitsubishi Electric, All Nippon Airways, Rico, and Konami. Those five stocks are, have huge assets hidden underneath the corporate umbrella. Huge assets. For example, Toyota Motor Corporation on the London Stock Exchange has a market cap of $1.8 quadrillion. Now, here's the comparison a reasonable uh, stock investor, if he found this information, he'd go, well, well, Toyota produces about 10 million vehicles a year, and Volkswagen is the other leading car manufacturer, vehicle manufacturer worldwide. They both produce about 10 million vehicles a year. Look up Volkswagen. What's the market cap for Volkswagen, according to Yahoo? 60 billion dollars oh, well, why is toyota valued at 1.8 quadrillion dollars that's more than 100 times larger how is that possible they're making the same number of vehicles volkswagen is actually an older company than toyota how could the how could there be such a gross mismatch between those fundamentals it doesn't make sense mitsubishi electra on the london stock exchange electric Market cap of $301 trillion, more than 60 times larger than their next closest competitor. Does that make sense? No, it doesn't make sense. All Nippon Airways, market cap $101 trillion on the London Stock Exchange. They own 200 aircraft. Southwest Airlines owns 750 aircraft, and yet All Nippon Airways is valued at more than 100 times larger than Southwest Airlines. How is that possible? It does not make sense. Here's what I think happened. Yeah. Um, most of these large investors, particularly the big hedge funds and you know vet investors on the scale of of uh, industry Goliaths, they what, what do they read on a daily basis? Wall Street Journal, Barron's, Investors Business Daily. They would never think these are old school guys. They would never go to Yahoo Finance to look up the current price of their stock. They had no idea that Yahoo was doing this. Yahoo had no idea what they stumbled on. They were simply adding up the number of outstanding shares around the world and multiplying time to the current price and then giving it the market cap. It's very simple. This isn't rocket science. Richard, how does Mexico City thread into this? 
Mexico City has a number of huge listings uh, that, that are similar to what I just described. Um, what you find, I believe, in Mexico City that Chase, J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, has a market cap of twenty-seven trillion dollars. Trillion dollars. Apple Corporation has a market cap north of ten trillion dollars. I don't remember exactly where that one came out, but if you if you'll download my two eBooks that are available on my website or at Smashwords. Um, you can read through the screenshots. I've I've got a dozen screenshots showing all of these listings. And you and don't you charge for these. How the money was started to move around very quickly within days when I started publishing this. And you're not charging for these books, is that correct? They're free. They're absolutely free at rlighthouse.com. Um, they are published under the Creative Commons License 4.0. That means other people can use them. I just ask that. Uh, you attribute to the, the source if you want to use it, but folks are free to use it and publicize it as well. Okay, sorry. Let's let, again get back to Mexico City because that, that's that, that that to me that that kind of strikes me as interesting because historically, of course, we know that Mexico City is is what it's it's, it's apart from uh, the Dominican Republic and Cuba, it's the oldest. It's basically where the the, the, the New World Spanish and Portuguese uh, landed. Well, the Spaniards. Uh, New Spain was the original kind of. Uh, 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 colony or, or country established uh, in, 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 in for, for us, right, Europeans, because we we, uh, we, were, we were not native to to this land. But so historically, I kind of look at things from from that from that angle. So Mexico City strikes me as interesting, right? Because then you're kind of you're threading through. You're looking at the the, the British and, and the Roman Empire and the British Isles, and you know we're speaking English. And so from 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 a timeline of things, the Mexico City kind of jumps out at me and says, "Oh, that that's that that's interesting." So um, talk a little bit more, and we've got to wrap things up pretty quickly here, but, 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 but talk a little bit more about how Mexico City threads into how this money is being manipulated. Good question, Ian. Um, I think that the, these two stock exchanges, the, the third stock exchange that I think is involved in massive fraud is in Argentina, uh, but it's not on the scale as London or Mexico City. Um, the, the London is clearly the, the, the top dog, and it's, it's um, clearly where uh, these wealthy uh, your international bankers have a huge deposits. Um, and these are the same folks that own the, the New York Federal Reserve. Um, these are the same bankers, the yeah. same families, and what we're uncovering is where they're hiding their money. That's something that for many years people have known the names of the families that were the owners of the Federal Reserve Bank, such as the Warburgs of Hamburg, the Rothschilds in Berlin, the Lazard Brothers in Paris. Uh, in New York City, we've got Chase Manhattan Bank, we've got Goldman Sachs, we've got Kuhn Loeb. Those are in New York. Those families, the question has always been, where are they hiding the money? We know it's crooked. We know the Federal Reserve is, is corrupt. We know that they're taking, they're skimming the money and they're hiding it somewhere, but nobody's been able to identify where they're hiding it. I hope I have cracked that open a little bit. Now, the connection with Mexico City is, well, maybe it's a bigger question. Why don't we see this on the New York Stock Exchange? Yeah. And, the, and the reason is because there's so many rules that make it transparent and very difficult to manipulate and control. It doesn't mean they're not doing it. It's just harder to do. But it's clear that at London and Mexico City, there, there's, very, there's far less transparency and they have absolute control of the executives that run the exchange. That's what is apparent to me. Mm -hmm. And this is why they're able to completely pull the wool over the advice. This, this is massive fraud. Let me make that very clear. Massive fraud on a scale unheard of on the London Stock Exchange, the Mexico City Exchange, and in Buenos Aires. And uh, it, it is unheard of. But we can tie that back to American companies because there are disclosures in their SEC filings every year that I would definitely say that those those are not truthful answers. So we need somebody who's even more of an expert than me that can dig into this and find out the filings that have been made, um, uh, the SEC filings that are made that are not truthful. That's how we can go after these guys and go after the deposits here in the United States. Excellent. Um, Mexico City uh, is, is certainly where a lot of drug operations are. I think that's that's possibly the source of a lot of this money. It allows them to launder the money within Mexico City before they move it out. It makes it look like legitimate money. Um, we do know that the CIA is involved with drug operations all over the world. Uh, Gary Webb exposed that back in the 1980s. Sure. Yeah. 
Um, so we, we do know that the CIA is involved in these massive drug operations. The, no one's been able to identify how they're hiding the money. Uh, a, number, a number of people said they use Swiss bank accounts, for example, for funding ISIS and uh, some of the other illegal programs that are being done by the CIA. So I, that may have been a long answer to your question. But <laughs> no, it was great. Wonderful. Yeah, w- wonderful stuff. Absolutely incredible. Um, I commend you on your, your, your intense and, and, and deep investigation and research. Um, Richard, we're wrapping things up here at Winwood Radio. Some, some last words for listeners to take away. Sure. Um, I do, I do want to comment quickly on the Federal Reserve because I think it's you brought it up before. It's certainly an important subject, and it's one that's right here in the United States. Here is a, a congressional com- committee from 1976 that published a report called, and anyone can look this up. You can download it on my website. It's called the Federal Reserve Directors, a Study of Corporate and Banking Influence. This, is, this was published by the Congressional Committee on Banking in 1976. It identifies all of the true owners of the Federal Reserve in 1976. Wow. It is a grand slam document. And uh, I was not even aware of its existence until recently. Wow. Again, it's free on my website, rlighthouse.com. This is, this is the open as a can that truly makes it clear the Federal Reserve is not federal and there are no reserves. It is a private bank owned and controlled by the international bankers. Uh, I encourage folks to download and read that document. It's very compelling. Ladies and gentlemen, Richard Lighthouse. Richard, looking forward to inviting you back on the program. Thanks again for joining. Thank you, Ian. If that didn't blow your mind, then I'm going to repeat. You need to be woken. Um, Look, when there is an invasion of your airspace, like you're forced to breathe something you don't want to breathe, fine. Okay, close your mouth for a few moments. No, this is this is something coming out of a this is a gas coming out of a, a plane. Uh, how how would you react? Well, this is how I've reacted. I thank you for listening to discussions of truth. I'm wrapping it up right now. No final thoughts. Next week, next week, from the UK, researcher, and we're going back down the banking road. Going back down the international banking road. Yes, the Bilderbergs, the Bilderberg Group. In fact, Bilderberg.com is what we will be talking about next week. And the owner of Bilderberg.com would be one Tony Gosling. He'll be joining us next week. Tune in then and listen to all my old podcasts or episodes via podcast. Again, iTunes, iHeartRadio. Spotify, Google Play, go to anchor.fm and access the majority of them. Go to my website and access them all, iantrotier.com, I-N-T-R-O-T-T-I-R.com. Follow me on Twitter, follow me on Instagram, support the program. And until next week with Tony Gosling, this is your host, Ian Hamilton Trottier for Winwood Radio. Be awesome.